rejected. We've all experienced rejection in our life. That is not the problem. The problem is what we do with that rejection. The problem is if we allow Satan to take that rejection and build up within us this spirit of rejection. And that's what we want to talk about today. So let's go to our theme verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. By the time we get through with this series, hopefully you will know where in your Bible to go to find the verses that tell us how we fight off the strongholds of Satan. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the war world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captivity every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There is a war that goes on inside of our head every single day, and the war is between the lives of Satan and the truths of God. And we are going to listen to one or the other of those voices. When we listen to the lies of Satan, then he robs us of the blessings that God wants for us. He robs us of the love and the joy and the peace and the long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit, righteousness, holiness. When we listen to the truths of God, when they become more real to us than the lies of Satan, That is where we enter into that blessed life that God wants for us. And I know a lot of Christians are going through their life and and they're missing out on God's blessings and they can't figure out why, so they must conclude, well, they're not not real. The blessings of God aren't real. You know, I will never experience them. I never can experience them. It's pie in the sky and maybe it works for somebody, but it'll never work for me. That's not true. That's a lie of Satan. The truth is we can experience all the blessings that God has for us, but really it begins with what we believe. And I'm not talking about a doctrinal statement here. I'm talking about the truths of God's word that are contrary to the lies of Satan. So we're going to look at rejection today, the root of rejection We live in a world and we live in a society that values winning. In fact, worships winners. We live in a world system that chooses favorites and rejects seconds. Just think of the difference in the last two Super Bowls. We won one. We came in second in the other one. Was there great rejoicing because we came in second? Oh, you know, some people, but it wasn't like if, oh, only that one play had been different, you know. We We absolutely reject seconds, choose favorites. We learn early on that what's the most attractive and, and those who are the most talented, those are the in people. Those are the people that, that kids look up to. 
looking at the people today who are successful in the entertainment world and those who are successful in the sports world, those are the heroes of our children and youth of today. No wonder there's problems. Those who don't fit into a certain Madison Avenue stereotype of what is a good-looking person, those people are out. And frankly, that's most of us. So the stage is set for each one of us to live life battling rejection. I think out of the womb we start feeling rejection. You know, what, I wasn't good enough in there? i got to come out in the world now, you know? We, we, we just battle it. And rejection is really foundational to many strongholds, sins, and dysfunctions in our life. Rejection affects our entire personality. It not only opposes individually, but it also works against a person's relationships. It, it works in our relationships in our marriage, in our family, our ministry, our work, our social life. And the problem is, is that we yearn for acceptance. We yearn for love, but we receive rejection along the way instead. And so we learn to believe the lies fed to us about our own value, our own significance, and even the love of our Heavenly Father. The lies of Satan de denies the truth that we do not need to participate in this world system. We are in the world. We do not have to be of the world. We do not have to go along with the world's values, the world's system, to what they say is, is what we should be. Denies the truth that we are accepted and not rejected by God. I want to look at that a little bit later on in this message today. I think one reason people have some bad theology has to do with the fact they cannot understand how God can accept them totally, completely, unconditionally. And these lies of Satan denies the truth that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So where do we get these feelings of rejection from? I just did a quick look. Here's a dozen different places. Not on your sheet. Okay. Causes of rejection. An absent father or mother can be a cause of rejection. Lack of bonding with parents. Parents' divorce. Not being wanted as a child or being the wrong gender. Competition with siblings. Parents' addiction. Unjust discipline. Disinterest in the child's activities by the parents. Abandonment. Living with a handicap. Discontented with one's appearance. Betrayal by a loyal friend. All of these things can be sources of rejection, can be the causes of feeling rejected in our life. And as a result of these causes of rejection, we have the fruit of rejection. Some of the fruits of rejection are that rejection causes people to rely on their own coping mechanism instead of on the truth, power, and strength of God's Holy Spirit. 
When we're feeling rejected, we can, we can, we can go to a bottle. We could go to a pill. We can go to the credit card. There's all sorts of ways that people cope with rejection rather than going to God's Holy Spirit. The fruit of rejection can also breed rebellion. It can foster pride, egotism, arrogance. It feeds control, manipulation, possessiveness. Compels people to reject other people. It leads to self-rejection. It leads to an inability or refusal to communicate. It it fuels performance-based living, relationships, and even ministry. Rejection energizes overachievement. That's how some people deal with it. They just overachieve. I never did. Uh, That was not mine. I had other ones. Feeds a critical spirit. Keeps people locked in an emotional immaturity. And it stirs up and feeds fears, anxieties, worries, negativism, uh, uh, pessimism. So we, we have all this going against us. All this rejection of the world. All these causes and fruits and, and everything going on in our life. And if that were not enough, now Satan wants to take those things. And he wants to start whispering lies in your ear. He, he's already got you going. I mean, we're, we're, we're already on kind of on this rejection roller coaster. How to recognize rejection? When a person usually interprets things that could either be positive or negative as negative, that could be a sign that, that Satan is using rejection. Uh, Receiving what others say to me through a lens of rejection. You know, there's some people you just can't compliment because they interpret even a compliment as rejection. You're looking good today. Oh, what was I, ugly yesterday? You know, you just can't accept a compliment. Um, A person who finds it difficult to accept freely from others or, or to demonstrate love and affection could be suffering from that rejection. People who don't believe people, oh, when they pay them a compliment, we did that one, oh, when we doubt, question, or mistrust authority, that can be a sign of rejection. Um, we, t- we tend to be skeptical and unbelieving. If people look at us and describe us as being harsh, when confronted about something, or when our immediate reaction is to be defensive or even defiant, to have a low estimation of my own appearance, my abilities, my adequacy to succeed in life or ministry, sometimes being prone to depression as a result of being rejected. The need to be needed or even the need to be competitive or ambitious. And then a person thinking that others won't love them, won't admire them. Feeling that people are talking behind your back. 
People are conspiring against you to cause you to fail. The idea of, you know, don't say anything or do anything that might cause someone to reject you. And in the church context, even being busy in church work so other Christians will accept you. Satan whispers the lie in your ear, you're not worthy of God's love. He whispers in your ear, hold on to your friends at all costs, even if you have to lie to them about what's going on in your life. Satan whispers in your ear, you're ugly. Or he says, you need to be a rescuer because then people you help won't be able to get along without you. Satan will say, you know, don't share your feelings with anyone. They might not respect you anymore. Satan will say, people who have more friendships and, they've, and more opportunities in life, they've made life unfair for you. And finally, be a loner. At least nobody can reject you then. Those are some of the lies, some of the ideas behind the spirit of rejection. You know, if you go to a counselor, I'm sure the counselor has a lot of good ideas, but I think the best ideas come from God. Last week we talked about, I think it was last week, we talked about forgiving. Forgive the people who've hurt you or rejected you. Sever affection towards the world. We're coming up to this one in a couple weeks, I think. We're going to talk about the spirit of affection of the world. Be confident of God's great, unconditional, and infinite love. And that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. We're going to look at God's great, unconditional, and infinite love. Let's start over in Psalm 13. The psalmist is having a crisis in his life. And we get to tag along with him as he deals with these issues. And in Psalm 13:1, the psalmist says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? It's a classic psalm of rejection. David is feeling rejected. He says, Lord, you have have forgotten me. Are you going to forget me forever? You've hid your face from me? Have you ever felt that way towards God? God has just forsaken you. He's walked the other way. He's not helping. I sure have. If you ever read any of those daily devotional things in my book, Sometimes We Suffer, you'll, you'll get some insight on that. But look how David worked through these feelings of rejection. Go down to verse 3. Psalm 13, 3. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Now, David's talking to God. Now, that's a good starting place. When you're feeling rejected by people, start talking with God. 
And he prays and he says, hear me. Uh, David listens to God. He, he says, enlighten my eyes here, Lord. Uh, David wants to focus on the reality of the truth, not the lie that God has somehow removed himself from David. Go down to verses 5 and 6. We read, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. What a difference between verse 1 and verses 5 and 6. David focuses on three truths here we see in 5 and 6. Number one, he focuses on God's unfailing love. Do you know why we have a hard time believing in God's unfailing love? It's because we have no earthly examples. Think about that. We have no earthly examples. God's love is so much greater than any human love that we, we really can't say, oh yeah, that's like so-and-so. Because it seems like there comes a point when people say, I've had enough. So he focuses on God's unfailing love. The second thing he focuses on is salvation. Now, what he means here, the word salvation simply means deliverance in the Bible. And here it was deliverance from a physical enemy. So he's focusing on God's unfailing love. He's focusing on God's deliverance. And then the last thing he says, I will sing to the Lord for he's been good to me. He focuses on God's goodness. When David wrote this, he was experiencing some extreme rejection. His son Absalom turned against him, led a rebellion against him, tried to take the throne away. He led a civil war against his father. Now that's rejection. But David chose to focus on the unfailing love of God rather than the rejection of someone even that he cherished, that he valued in his life. When the promises of God become more real to us than the circumstances of life, then we have a correct focus. Go a few pages further in your Bible to Psalm 27.1. Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? It's the fear of rejection that leads to the strongholds of sin and dysfunction in a lot of Christians' lives. The fear of rejection. When we value the acceptance of others more than the acceptance of God, then we're going to fear rejection from man, aren't we? That just makes sense. When we value the acceptance of others more than the acceptance of God, then we're going to start fearing the rejection of others. But when our focus is on God, 
There's no fear of rejection. Man can and will reject us, but that's no longer important when we sever our affection to the world. And again, come back in a week or two, and we're going to talk about this affection toward the world. We don't fear rejection by man because it no longer matters to us. Because what is important to us is our relationship with God, not with others. Go to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41, verse 9. <clears throat> Isaiah 41, 10 is one of my favorite Old Testament verses. Look at the context, verse 9. I took you from the ends of the earth. From the farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We are God's servants. We're not the world's servants. And a servant's job is, was, is to please his master. So, so as servants of God... We're to please God. Now, what pleases God? Well, we know in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. So faith pleases God. What's faith? Faith is believing God. Believing what? Believing his promises. Believing his truths. Not the lies of Satan, but God's truths. That pleases God. Believing God, trusting God, these things please God. And because God has not rejected us, we do not fear. Focusing on God's unconditional love drives out fear. You know, the rest of the verse says that, that God's going to take care of us. Even though others may reject us, God is going to take care of us. Boy, that's hard to get through this old German skull. Even though others may be against me, even though others may oppose me, even though others may reject me, God says, I will take care of you. Yeah. He's going to take care of me. It doesn't matter what other people do to me. He's going to take care of me. doesn't matter what the government does. Doesn't matter what my employer does. Doesn't matter what my friends do. God is going to take care of me. And you know what? He has. Isn't that amazing? God's true to his word. If he doesn't keep this promise for you, then God is a liar. And if God's a liar, he's not God. It's a truth to be believed. Look over in Isaiah 53, verse 3. <clears throat> Isaiah 53, first part of verse 3, 
says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Who's he talking about here? Talking about Jesus, isn't he? Yeah. And what does it say? It says, He was rejected by men. Does God know what it feels like to be rejected? Yeah, he sure does. Yet God the Father used that rejection to accomplish the greatest event in all of history, didn't he? Our salvation. If he had not been rejected by men, he wouldn't have died on the cross. We would not have our sins forgiven. We wouldn't even be meeting, celebrating our fifth anniversary today. The greatest event in all of history came through men rejecting Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. God does not withhold his blessings of us because he rejects us. Let me say that again. God does not withhold his blessings out of rejecting us. We can put ourselves in a place where we, we, we don't receive God's blessing, but it's never because God says, I've rejected you, therefore I'm not going to bless you. He goes on with the thought down in verse 6, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. We are not rejected. We are accepted in Christ. We are accepted by his grace. That means I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. I don't merit it. God accepts me on the basis of his grace. And that means that God will never reject me. I believe in the doctrine of eternal security. Once saved, always saved. And I think that the one reason some people struggle with this doctrine is that they cannot accept the idea that, that there's nothing they can do that would ever cause God to reject them. It is, well, if I do this, well, God will reject me. If I do that, God will, will take my salvation away. He will reject me. There's nothing that will ever happen where God will take his acceptance of me away. And again, it's, it's a hard theology for some people to comprehend because they've never met anybody like that in a human level who has said, I will never, ever leave you. I will accept you no matter what. If it's based upon God's grace, then it's not performance-based. If it's not performance-based, then there's nothing I can do that God will ever take away his salvation. 
Well, I've got a lot of other scriptures this morning. If you uh, want to jot some down, Isaiah 54.10 is a good one. Lamentations 3.22. Zephaniah 3.17. That'll take you a while to find, I bet. Oh, then we get into Romans. Romans 5, 8. Romans 8, 38 to 39. Ephesians 2, 4 to 7. They're listed on the screen. We'll leave that up there for a little bit. There's a lot of scripture that tells us that God will never reject us. We're accepted by his grace. Therefore, if we desire to please him, we know for a fact that we'll never be rejected. Faith is believing God. Let's look at some affirmations here. Faith is believing God. Believing who, believing he is who he says he is. It's believing he will do what he says he will do. And it's also believing that I am who he says I am. Some truths to be believed. God is sovereign. He's in control of the universe. And he is in control of my life. God is love. God is just. God is wise. God will comfort me. God will defend me. God will protect me. God will provide for me. I am his much loved child. I'm indwelt with his Holy Spirit. I have the authority of Jesus Christ over the world, the flesh, the devil, and I have nothing to fear. I believe those affirmations, yes, they are on your sheet today. When Satan comes with his lies of rejection, keep this little sheet of paper handy and go over the affirmations. You'll be getting these at the end of the service. Go over these. God loves me. There's nothing I can do that will ever cause him to stop loving me. God is wise. He's too wise to make a mistake in my life. God is defending me. In our passage, our theme passage for this series, it says that our weapons of this warfare are not the same as the world's weapons. Our weapons are effective. World's weapons are not effective. What are some of the world's weapons? Oh, you know, arguing, shouting, fighting. Those are the world's weapons. You know what? I don't have to argue. I don't have to fight. I don't have to shout. God is my defender. He will take care of the problem. I have nothing to fear. Remember the four R's I gave you several weeks ago? Let's go over them again real quickly as we close. Number one, recognize. 
Don't deny the rejection of the past. Root it out so you can deal with it. Number two, take responsibility. Not take responsibility for being rejected. We can't help it if people reject us. There's nothing we can do about that. But take responsibility for how we're going to deal with it. Get rid of the old coping mechanisms. Acknowledge them as sin. And then repent. That change of mind and direction. Sever the affection for the world and its approval. Say, I don't need the world's approval anymore. I repent of that. I'm going to go a different direction. The direction I'm going to go is I am going to desire the approval of God and God alone. He's the only one I want to approve. Come what may. Because God's going to defend me. He's going to provide for me. He's going to protect me. I can... I can desire only the approval of God. And the last one is be renewed. Allow God to change you from the inside out. Allow God to take away the fear of rejection by man. Allow God to fill you with his love, which passes all understanding. Allow God to make the changes. Be renewed. I don't... I. I do not believe there's a single individual who has not been affected by rejection in some negative way in their life. For some, it's been extremely severe rejection. Someone who you loved deeply has hurt you, has rejected you. For some, it might be lesser forms of rejection. It doesn't matter the level. The truths of God's word are the same. Let God be God in your life. Let's pray. Again, I'm going to give you a moment for you just to talk to God about whatever rejection you're experiencing right now. Maybe make one of those affirmations. Yes, God, I'm being rejected by this person. But God, I believe you're there to defend and protect me. Or whatever the affirmation is, and I'll close in a moment in prayer.